The year is 1994, and the live-action adaptation of the Street Fighter video games is released in theaters. Some say it's a cheesy interpretation of the popular games, but does it truly deserve that reputation? I'm Travis Kirkland. And I'm Ilana Saita. And this is the Fend Your Trash Movie. everybody welcome back to another fine time this fine show that we call defend your trash movie the podcast that examines bad movies and misrepresented films to see if they're actually good and luana yes travis this is one of the most notable cheesy bad movies of the 90s for better or worse and you know what i think uh to really examine this movie, we have to get into the deets, the details, the numbers. And if we need to get into the numbers, I think we need to get into our classic segment. What do you think? You mean the classic segment in which we guess the numbers of the release year of said film that we're discussing? Of course. That means, again, our homage to the podcast Blank Check. It's the box office guessing game. Ooh, that's where I'm a Viking. So we're doing the box office of, whoa, look at this. This is Christmas weekend of December 23rd, 1994. It's kind of wild that this got a Christmas release. Like Now here's, they're... yeah, because, you know, this today's movie did come out December 23rd, 1994. And I want to give you kind of a preview of what we're looking at at the box office. Now, because... This is Christmas weekend. There is actually a good amount of new movies coming out this weekend. However, uh, even though some of these new releases do end up doing pretty financially well, it looks like they couldn't fight off or it looks like it couldn't defeat the more dominant movies that were already on the chart this December, it looks like. I'll, I'll be, yeah, I'm, I'm already kind of stumped. Usually when I... When I start this guessing game, I have a pretty good, like, sort of vague uh, idea mm -hmm. of what came out around that time. But 94, uh, I'm not sure. Well, um, let's see. Let's see. All right. So today's movie debuts this weekend. Again, December 23rd, 1984, a Christmas weekend. And the movie of today debuts at number three. Number three. So it could not unseat the big power players already at the box office. So, starting at number one is a comedy movie. A comedy, nineteen ninety four. Um, let's see. Is, is it a big uh, star driven? Uh, yes, it is. There is a big comedy star in this comedy movie. Um, early nineties. Eddie Murphy. It is not Eddie Murphy. This now, not only does this comedy have a big comedy star, but he is co-starring with a very well-respected actor. Hmm. Okay. So I guess there's a goofy guy and a, and a, and a straight, uh, straight arrow guy. I wouldn't say that, but they are, they, but the movie is, is being sold as on these two co-stars. So it's a comedy guy and a respected actor. But the respected actor is not the straight arrow guy. There's like, there's just two goofy guys. Oh wait, Maybe. Dumb and Dumber. At number one, it's Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> two goofy guys, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> you could totally call the movie that. Two, two goofy guys, but no, they called it Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> two goofy guys. <laughs> okay. Oh well, that was number one. Number one. It was a. It was kind of one of the big movies of. December 1994 and if you think <laughs> the weird thing about Dumb and Dumber it is technically a franchise movie because years later we got that prequel when Harry met Lloyd and then there Dumber, was yeah. that dumb then then that 
legacy sequel years years later where jim carrey and jeff daniels came back dumber mm -hmm. dumber or what dumber and dumber two or whatever they called it and uh no one cares about those movies <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah god i had completely fucking forgot that they did a second one yeah exactly that's how ethereal <laughs> that franchise is except for that classic original movie but it technically is a, a movie that was made yes um at number two again this is another movie that is dominating the box office at uh this december 1994 and appropriately this is a holiday movie uh like a full-on christmas movie mm-hmm uh let's see where we at uh i think jingle all the way was later so probably not that uh uh some 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 with santa claus yes some with santa claus it was the tim allen the, the santa claus at number two it's the santa claus <laughs> you know i didn't i didn't get that as a kid, because of course English was not my first language, so I didn't get the pun of the Santa Claus. Oh, that the Santa Claus is also <laughs> another clause. Ah, ha, 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 isn't it funny? <laughs> uh, another oh, he, and, and, and he got this is also a legacy franchise because he got the Santa Clauses this this year. <laughs> I know the fucking Disney Plus Santa Clauses <laughs> show that people wanted. <laughs> <laughs> fucking MAGA head Tim Allen. <laughs> yuck. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Okay. Uh, so that's at number two. Number three is today's movie. Mm -hmm. At number four, oh, we're we're definitely switching it up. At number four is an adult thriller. An adult thriller. It's the nineties. Is it a sexy thriller? Oh, it is quite a sexy adult thriller. Um. Okay. Statistically, the chances are pretty good that Michael Douglas is in it. Michael Douglas is in this sexy <laughs> adult thriller. It's going to be like either Basic Instinct or, uh, let's see the one, Disclosure. Which one do you think it is? Uh, disclosure would be funnier. Is it Disclosure? At number four, it's Disclosure. <laughs> Yay. Of course, the movie where it proves that women can sexually harass people at work. <laughs> A much-needed male perspective on this topic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> Written by uh, climate change denier Michael Crichton. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> a year after, we, we were always like, oh, Jurassic Park's such a big hit. What else does Crichton have in the bank? <laughs> this, oh, well, you imagine a world with dinosaurs come back to life. What about a woman, you know, <laughs> going too far with a man? <laughs> Sex man. <laughs> Yeah. and they remember they did that i don't know have you seen it oh yeah i i it's been a long time but yeah they do the fucking like virtual reality showdown yes thing. they oh luana luana uh disclosure is it a future episode oh man i'm, I'm so down <laughs> oh man that that would be a fun one to do i think <laughs> Uh, okay, but moving on to number five, we're pivoting again back to family-friendly affairs. Uh, affairs meaning nice affairs, not like, you know, sex. Not like disclosure affairs. <laughs> because at number five, it's another new release, and this is a family movie. New release, family movie. Mm -hmm. uh, animated? It is not animated. This is live action. Now, this family movie that is live action has one of the biggest child stars in it macaulay culkin it is macaulay culkin okay we're it's 1994 already so he's he's grown up a bit because i remember i think home alone was like 90 or 91 something yeah like that. early night uh yes yes yes, yes. uh to um 94, getting even with dad it is not getting even with dad maybe i'm wrong here but Oh, fuck. Richie Rich. At number five, it's yes. Richie Rich. <laughs> I was going to say Blank Check, but I don't think that was Macaulay Culkin. No, that's not Macaulay Culkin. It's, uh, ooh, who was Blank Check? I know Tone Loke's in Blank Check, but uh, I forget <laughs> the kid at the heart of Blank Check. Um, hey, in this, <laughs> hey, in this segment, uh, homages the podcast Blank Check. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And funny thing about Richie Rich is that mm -hmm. this is actually... Macaulay's final movie as a kid actor before he takes a hiatus and then kind of reemerges in the 2000s. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, that's that's, that's wild. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, he's certainly certainly we're not out on a high there. <laughs> all right, I don't know about that. Okay, crit. All right, but that was the top five box office for December twenty third, nineteen ninety four. We have Dumb and Dumber at number one, The Santa Claus at number two, Today's Movie at number three, Disclosure at number four, Richie Rich at number five. Would you like to know the rest of the top ten? Yeah, go ahead. Number six is another new release. It's Little Women, the Winona Ryder starring version of Little Women. Oh, with the with the Kirsten Dunst in them, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, at number seven, another new release. This is the live action adaptation of the Jungle Book that Disney put out. Uh, with uh, Jason Scott Lee. Yes, that one was fucking dope. Was that a, was that a new release too? Yep, that is releasing the same weekend. That kind of blows that, that it that it came out and got like eight number eight was number seven seven, seven. like that that's a dope ass movie. <laughs> All right, at number eight it is Speechless. Speechless is I had to look it up, but then when I looked it up, I vaguely remember this, um, but it is a romantic comedy with michael keaton i believe and it's uh. him and another him and the gal are two speech oh yeah michael keaton and gina davis and they play two uh political speech writers who fall in love but they are on the opposites uh campaign <laughs> okay that's a that's a high concept rom-com mm -hmm, which obviously everybody remembers <laughs> at number nine it's drop zone uh charlie sheen wesley snipes and he's up in the air with gary Busey. oh yeah charlie sheen was escape velocity or something or terminal velocity yeah 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 this is the wesley snipes one yeah <laughs> and at number 10 it's nell the, oh, uh, the Jodie Foster one. Jodie Foster living alone in the cabin, you know, speak the pit the pay, speak the bat the day, or whatever speak she has in that movie. Yeah, that's one of those movies where you're like, wait, is that actually like offensive? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the cultural uh what the culture on Nell hat is, but uh yeah, that is your that is your top ten. That th those were your offerings. Should you take the family to a movie this Christmas weekend? I certainly would have supported the Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out that more people decide to support the new other new release, the other other new release of this weekend. So let's get right into Street Fighter. After seven months of fighting, the civil war in Shadaloo may have reached the turning point. The capital has just fallen. In December 1994, the forces of freedom will face a power-mad dictator in a struggle for the fate of the world. I don't think so. You have to do better than that. Okay. Yeah! Now, who wants to go home and who wants to go with me? Street Fighter, directed by Stephen E. D'Souza, was released on December 23rd, 1994. It stars Jean-Claude Van Damme, Raul Julia, Ming-Na Wen, Kylie Minogue, and many others. Now, I have to admit that when it comes to Street Fighter, I am a pretty, 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 pretty casual fan. 
of this franchise. Uh, I remember now I do remember I never owned Street Fighter 2 myself, the game, but I had friends who had Street Fighter. And I remember going to their houses and playing a lot of Street Fighter because um, it was like the one of the biggest games. I think for the, a while it had like some title of like biggest selling video game or highest selling video. It was a it was a smash basically when it came out. Um, since then, I have to be honest, I have not really played much uh, Street Fighter titles, uh, any of the mainline or spinoff stuff. My my most uh, uh, outside of number two, of which the movie is primarily based on, uh, I mostly have played the Street Fighter characters when they've appeared in other fighting games like Mar the Marvel versus Capcom games or Super Smash Brothers um i have seen the uh anime movie based on street fighter 4 or street fighter 2 that did actually come out the same year as this live action movie and i remember seeing a few episodes of the animated series that came out in the 90s but i barely remember much about it um but that's my street fighter knowledge what about you um okay that, that's uh you you are you've um you superseded me quite a bit because, like, I my my uh, Street Fighter knowledge is entirely like just absorbed through memes and internet humor. Um, my uncle had a, a Sega Genesis console as a kid. No, when I was a kid, I mean, and uh, he had the first Mortal Kombat on there. So that's the, that's the one I've always played. The one that had gore on it. Yeah, well, the the console version didn't. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so the um, and that's even like I, I didn't I didn't even really play any other Mortal Kombat's beyond that, let alone any Street Fighters. Like I saw Street Fighter in arcade halls on like on fairs and fairs, but I'm not even sure if I've ever. I'm not even sure if I've ever even like a. Tossed a coin in there, uh, so like I know Ken and Ryu and, and like Haduken and stuff like that from you know from memes, internet culture, but I have zero attachment to the franchise. Uh, I'm sure they're fun um, games. Sure, sure, they're fun fighting games. They they're like colorful and silly, and um, like I'm I have a feeling that they sort of uh, profile themselves very well as like an alternative to. Uh, Mortal Kombat, or at least Mortal Kombat is perhaps an alternative to Street Fighter, like the sort of edgy leather jacket cousin to the slightly more uh, slick and wholesome Street Fighter. Uh, but yeah, um, by far my greatest uh, my greatest exposure to the franchise has been well, this movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, and this is a you know this is a movie you know we did Super Mario Brothers earlier this season, and this came but a year later uh and and uh, if you if you think about it this is in the middle of a glut of attempts at live action <laughs> video game movies super mario brothers the year before this year 94 we have both street fighter and double dragon <laughs> uh and then a year afterward we get a uh, mortal kombat um so there's these attempts of varying degrees uh of video game movies and uh i have to remember i didn't see this in theaters but i did see this at a sleepover and for i do have this distinct memory of me and my friends going around the blockbuster and trying to find a movie to watch for our sleepover and uh -huh. we came upon on the shelf street fighter which i don't think any of us had seen yet uh -huh. So we decided to rent, and it's like, and we we're like, oh yeah, Street Fighter, let's get that. And then I remember that there was this guy, maybe in his twenties, who was near us, and he overheard us, like, yeah, it's like Street Fighter, Street Fighter, let's get it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and he's like, and then I remember this guy turned to us, it's like, eh, it's it's kind of bad, guy, man, I don't know. And we did, <laughs> we're like, yeah, we don't care, Street Fighter, Street Fighter, Street Fighter uh and then we saw it and uh i hmm well we we did see it and i don't remember i actually don't remember if like the overall consensus at the sleepover was good or bad it was just we rented it and 
that's it. But uh, what about you? How did you see the fighter of streets? You know, I have... God, I don't fucking remember the first time I ever saw Street Fighter. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do have to say that... Remember when we did um, our Batman and Robin mm -hmm. episode? Mm -hmm. And Batman and Robin kind of stuck with me as a kid uh, because I remember seeing it for the first time. And it was one of those landmark movies where you kind of – you don't quite understand why you're not liking it. You know, you're, you're like, huh? It's got it's Batman and he's fighting bad guys and this is all stuff I like. And like you, you're kind of growing up to a point where you're starting to get slightly discerning enough that you can sort of say of certain types of media that like this is not what I was looking for. Whereas you know when you're like I don't know five, six, seven, you're, you're just like yeah, this is stuff I like, so I like it. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Um, and Batman and Robin was a real landmark movie in that particular area because like. I somehow had to reconcile myself with the fact that I didn't really like it. I did not have such a feeling with Street Fighter, and I definitely mm -hmm. saw it as a kid. So I must have seen it early enough that there was nothing there for me to go, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and even if I don't remember how my friends and I felt at that sleepover, I think I always recall not hating the movie and only really kind of getting the idea that this was a bad movie when kind of that early 2000s internet kind of yeah, right, mindset right. set in of kind of like, you know, people nostalgically looking at, you know, 90s and 80s stuff they grew up with like, oh, that was cheesy or that was bad or that was yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. And that that was when I think I was starting to get there. I was like, oh, yeah, the Street Fighter movie. I mean, recall that. Oh, yeah, that... That was kind of weird. That was a bit cheesy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I was probably the same in that. Uh, uh, I, I don't know that I really rewatched it very often. So like, I don't think it was particularly a fave as a kid. But yeah, indeed. And then, you know, after a bit of a hiatus of like not necessarily watching it a lot and, you know, getting in contact with like movie nerd internet culture. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I guess it is a pretty cheesy movie. But then when I like revisited it, I don't. I never had a real. I, if anything, I I think it kind of um, grew on me. Like it's like yeah, you know, for going from. I guess it's fine because it's got action stuff, and I like action stuff and fighting as a kid to like oh uh, uh this is actually really cheesy <laughs> <And things laughs> like a, as like an you know late teen or early 20s or whatever um so um yeah it i never really had a falling out of love uh, uh like a honeymoon period's over <laughs> yeah like I, like i've grown up now this is stupid baby exactly stuff. i was like yeah it's fine i guess or you know not necessarily having very strong feelings either way about it to like <laughs> this is actually really funny and uh, i think street fighter is one of the movies like in my early 20s kind of dorm room years mm -hmm. that like it is one of my most rewatched movies in like of my life mm -hmm. in terms of like i just you know light up a joint hit the bong and <laughs> watch street because like it's a perfect you know chuckling, yeah yeah chuckling silly ass movie yeah i mean uh, i'll get to my you know i'll get to my verdict you know at the end but i i have to agree with you it is kind of a a perfect um hangout with friends and right. and just you know watch a stupid thing on the tv screen type mm -hmm. of movie it was um it really struck me on the rewatch for this particular podcast um because I obviously I'd seen it a bunch of times, but um, it really struck me how explicitly made for kids it is. Um, like they are, I mean, you know, obviously everything is kind of fakey and toy-ish looking and um, you know, colorful. Like it was uh, at the start uh, when you know Ken and Ryu are like 
trying to hustle or make a deal with Sagat. And Sagat's like, you know, we know all these tropes, like a big crime lord. And, you know, he's kind of, uh, or they're ingratiating himself, themselves to him. And he's like, oh, Ken, Ryu, yeah, you know, have a, have a, I don't know, have a drink, have a cigar, perhaps the finer things, like pointing to some sexy ladies. And they're like, ooh, ooh. and, uh, you know, and, and Ryu's like, no, only business, please, or, you know, whatever, paraphrase. And then you get a, like a reaction shot of the sexy ladies going like, hmm. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Like, what kind of eight-year-old brain is this scene on that, like, the sexy ladies want to have sexy times with you? It's like, no, they're, they're sex workers, probably, you know, in debt to Sagat. They're not having fun here, you know? But, like, in the brain of this movie, they're sexy ladies who like sexy stuff. And when Ryu says, no, only business, please, they're like, oh, well, pooty you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then like absolute kid brain stuff. Yeah, know? and then like I think the sexiest, I, I think the most sexiest it gets is when uh M. Bison dresses up Chun Li in her in that outfit. And then like <laughs> they think it's the sexiest thing. And then like at the very end, when Gao goes, Yes, I will grant you that interview. I will <laughs> grant you that interview of Zagajor wearing that, you know, outfit, <laughs> you know. And it's like it's funny that they like sort of turn it into a sexy outfit because like that's just a normal fighting outfit yeah and, it, and it's funny okay about that outfit it's so the, the movie has a weird push and pull with how i mean every adaptation of a game a comic a whatever has to choose like what are we gonna have fidelity to and what are we gonna maybe change up and like that's a weird one where it's like clearly she's in that getup because we expect Chung Li to be in her traditional uh, fighting outfit, and it kind of is her outfit, but it's it's red, whereas like you know, traditionally yeah, it's like it's a blue, blue outfit, yeah. and so it is kind of. I think it does represent this weird like we're gonna go some way acknowledging the game, but kind of pull back on other things. And I mean, the biggest one is that the fact that like you know, the thing with Street Fighter. Oh, okay, let me say this first and foremost. If I'm going to ding this movie on anything, I am not going to ding this movie on being goofy or silly. You know why? Because the Street Fighter games are goofy and silly. They are your traditional tournament match martial arts scenarios, but they're peppered and, you know, juiced up with these larger than life crazy characters. And literally every character Usually the characters, at least the base, the first, you know, round of characters in a few hours are like, they're from this country and they're the most stereotypical version of this country <laughs> that you can think of. So go. <laughs> so I'm not going to ding the movie on it being silly because I think it being over the top has always been in the Street Fighter DNA right. where you can maybe start to be like, huh, why is the fact that like, you know, you have going back to like how a, each character is such a stereotype of the country they represent guile is supposed to be an american a blonde haired muscle muscly um you know swole american guy from uh, i think the air force i think is where the character comes from and so they decided and apparently capcom who funded this movie wanted jean-claude van damme to play this most, most famous belgian of most, all time the most famous belgian of all time to play the, this most flag waving american pie <laughs> motherfucker uh, i yeah, I, I mean, the movie is full of these incredible decisions. <laughs> and like the, the crazy thing, like, you know, the thing, you know, you, you remember about Guile in the video games got this crazy blonde hair. It's super blonde. And so what they do with John claude they, <laughs> they, they give him a, a spray blonde look for his hair. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and then they and he still has the star, good old stars and stripes on his bicep, yes. even though he's like, Oh, yes, we are coming. That's oh, I, I can't do a good John Claude, I guess, but uh, you know, because it ends up send, sounding like Arnold, but yeah, it's like, it's like this guy, this guy is the American 
this guy's representing I mean, the Americans, you know. And then the fact that his second in command is Cammy, who is a British character in the games, but played by uh, Australian pop star Kylie Minogue, who is trying to do a British accent, which is like, <laughs> at the very least, JCVD is not trying to do an American accent. Right. It's a, ooh, it's, it's a lot already on this character roster. <laughs> yeah, and uh, apparently that is also like uh, you know the character roster being a lot in more ways than one uh capcom kept pushing for the inclusion of more and more and more characters and uh d'souza apparently met with them and tried to initially pitch um i believe it was the seven dwarves rule now like hey can you name all the seven dwarves snow white and like nobody nobody really could so he was like, see, seven is the most that any audience is going to remember. So uh, we, we're not going to focus on more than seven characters. And uh, they kind of sheepishly said, okay, okay. But then whenever there was like some setback or need more money or needed more days, they would kind of push their way through is like okay we'll give you we'll give you i don't know we'll give you 10 more mil or we'll give you five more shooting days but you have to add in this character that yeah, character yeah, yeah. and so a lot of this stuff was rewritten on the fly uh, in order to secure funds or secure resources secure mm-hmm. time and uh, it, it's so funny that like you know uh, jean-claude is of course the big the big hero the big action hero the big star uh, but it's such an ensemble movie that Van Damme is in like maybe five minutes of the first hour or so. Uh, that that's that's actually kind of funny how it's a Van Damme movie in the sense that there's a lot of the funny Van Damme stuff in there, but it's it's far more of an ensemble movie. Uh, yeah, and I gotta say, I I do think this is one of at least for me one of the negatives of the movie that it is an ensemble and that like. You know, I'm sure for a fan of the game, it's like, you're like, oh, great, an ensemble. That means all my favorite characters are getting some equal screen time. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I feel like not only are not a lot of the characters given a lot to do, <laughs> but again, like, you know, these are supposed to be, you know, stupid cartoon characters, so thinly sketch whatever. But I also feel, unfortunately, like the, uh, uh, how to put this, the, uh, acting chemistry is not evenly dispersed among the cast members like like jcvd's doing his thing he's doing his thing mm-hmm. uh ming no win you know she's a charming winning presence when you see her on screen and then uh everyone else <laughs> and then we kind of dive off a cliff <laughs> yeah some some fare better than others and, and we'll get to i think you know the big one later but uh, uh at least as far as like these other people who are not so famous uh i knew some of them are not so good like uh i think i, I like some i think do okay like i think west studi as saget is is no knows that he's in a goofy stupid <laughs> movie and he's being you know over the top and whatever i think uh russian seth as dawson is yeah, right. is maybe doing the best at having a little bit of a integrity <laughs> you know you know he's doing his best obviously um and then everyone else is kind of mm, uh, uh, uh. i legitimately think that um uh with the name balrog uh the boxer guy yes he he has line reading so bad that they legit kind of become funny that they're kind of Tommy Wiseau-ish. Yeah, he does. He, <laughs> I I am not sure about him. I, oh, I will. Oh, I forget his name, but I I do have to say that the actor who plays Honda, I think, is kind of a a fun, charming guy. Kind of, sorta. You think? Yeah, yeah. Like in a, in in a kind of a wrestler who who landed a movie type of. Yeah, uh, yeah. I way. mean. He's not given much to do. He's just supposed to be like, hey, he's a fun big guy who's a sumo wrestler. So, you know, he's having a... Oh, oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I will have to admit, uh, Zangief has some really funny <laughs> lines in this. Intention, the oh, I love Change the Channel. <laughs> I, I, that, that is probably the one 
that is probably my favorite joke of the movie. Just how how <laughs> like dumb, intentional, yeah. Right. How dumb Zangi truly is. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Who else? Uh, ah, hmm. Ryu and Ken. Man, I, 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 I have to say, I don't really care for Ryu and Ken in this movie. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I also kind of think that, I mean, you know, uh, I don't know if one can call it, uh, how to say this, um, there's a line at one point, I, I don't quite remember what the situation was, but mm-hmm. Ken is like, man, this sucks. They're the good guys. We're supposed to be helping them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, once again, like with those sex workers, it's like, it's kind of insane how how kid-brained <laughs> Yeah, is, you know? Yeah. And, and these two almost feel like the you know the eight year the the two identification characters for eight year olds. Yeah, they're supposed <laughs> to be like the funny. They're like the three PO and R two D two of like this right, movie. Yeah. And it's crazy too because like like let's say you are a Street Fighter fan, like this representation of the characters would feel weird because like Ryu is really the main character and protagonist of the Street Fighter franchise. Like right, right. he's the lead character of the very first original Street Fighter game and then like it's his story that we mainly continue to see along with all the other fun characters <laughs> like guile is an important character but he he definitely it feels like an additional character in the games and <laughs> so it's so interesting that because they wanted to get a big name like jcvd that he essentially even though it does have an ensemble feel it does feel like yeah but guile is the main good guy of this story Apparently, the um, the Souza was presented with like materials by Capcom of like different permutations that they wanted the franchise to go in, and one of them was kind of a goodies versus baddies story with like an international team of heroes kind of like you know the international fight roster that we know from the games fighting a villain who has like an evil james bond lair and um you know and kind of uh, that was the angle that obviously the souza liked to make make uh, his own kind of um super spy ish uh franchise you know or super superhero action ish franchise and uh, when meeting, when, when, you know, coming back with that, like, hey, I like this particular version that you presented me with. Um, is that okay? Because, like, it's, it's pretty far from the concept of um, street fighting. Uh, and they were like, no, yeah, yeah, because, like, we think the, the tournament structure would be wrong for this movie because um, that's, that's old hat, silly, cheesy B-movies. Want to take it, you know, kick it up a notch. Want to be a big... Uh, blockbuster and big action franchise and it turns out that um capcom had a uh deal in place with hasbro uh who whose gi joe line was not selling anymore by 94 and that whole idea of making uh you know the james bond-esque international hero team um like sort of moving it towards that was an attempt at kind of slightly altering the old G.I. Joe line into a Street Fighter line of action figures so that they could move that product. And um, that's kind of the reason why Street Fighter, the movie, doesn't feel very (laughs) Street Fighter-ish because it is, in fact, not much of a Street Fighter the game as it existed back then adaptation but it's a it's a proto gi joe movie and uh looking at it like that like yeah it's that that is pretty much you know that's pretty much what it is it's a you know goofy ass gimmick guys doing um you know uh bloodless fighting uh, with big bases and fighting their stormtroopers and um silly puns and and whatnot so yeah, <laughs> that's uh, 
kind of and then that, that that's where it ended up i you know what it's funny because it was you know because i've you know i've had this movie in my brain since childhood but it really was not until this recent rewatch that i when i was watching this for the podcast that it did i did have that sudden thought of like wait a minute there's not a lot of actual fighting in this street fighter <laughs> movie like and i would have to like go back and like kind of count like well how much fighting is in this movie and like there's and it's so weird because like there isn't a lot because right? like there's there's um okay there so like the first real fight is when um there's the allied nations board meeting and that one spy comes in you know in in and jcvd quickly you know dispatches him and you know, so it's a real quick fight um and then ryu and ken kind of do a tussle at the at the prison break scene but that's not really a fight more of an action sequence then they don't really have a fight sequence for a good long time until all the characters kind of get back to the base and you have first that fight between Chung Li and M. Bison when you first see her in the fighter outfit. Uh, and then you have, and for the climax of the movie, you have uh, uh, yeah, the M. Bison and Guile fight. And then you have the Ryu and Ken versus Saget and Vega fight. And it's like... Yeah. And uh, there's a Honda versus Zengi. Oh, yeah, the Honda, was, which has uh, Godzilla noises in it. Because <laughs> they're fighting amongst uh, Bisonopolis. <laughs> models um which and it's like huh that because because something i when i was watching this something was kind of ringing wrong for me when i was watching like why isn't this like hitting as strong for me even though i know this is a good like oh yeah there's not as much fighting as i remember there or, or as as should be sold for this and it's like and i and you know i i guess there was um around the time of this movie's making uh there was an article about this movie in the old video game magazine game pro and uh the souza gave some quotes about it and i guess he said too at the time like he did not want to make a generic martial arts movie and that i guess in the quotes he described that's like oh i want to make something that's like a mix of star wars james bond and a war film and i just i hear that i'm like you're you're making a street fighter movie <laughs> it is a martial art it is a martial yeah. arts movie and like look uh, again again I, that it, is, it wasn't just the souza that it was like you know capcom and all these other uh studio thinking at at play here but it's like yeah this is a mission movie this is a war siege movie and it's like and, and theoretically you could have still like a fight you, you could still have like more fight sequences in that narrative, but it's also like, look, say what you will about <laughs> the Mortal Kombat movies, all of them. They're the 90s ones, that recent one that came out a few years ago. But those movies are about fighting. They have <laughs> fights in them. Whether Even if you think the movies are bad, you cannot deny that <laughs> there are fights in them. <laughs> and it's like, why? And, and, and I guess... I gotta kind of puncture the balloon a little bit. I I think that lack of fighting kind of made the movie a little boring for me on this. Right, right, right. Like I was enjoying the the junky, funny, cheesy bits, but then I was like, eh, but nothing else is really keeping me that entertained. And it's like, man, if there were some like just some fun fight sequences, as one would expect to break up the cheesy bits, I think I'd have more of a fun time. Otherwise, I think I'm just mm, I'm just watching watching it for you know the hamminess of it all you know yeah yeah oh absolutely and that um because i think that um it's kind of funny like they could sort of um i mean yeah there's a lack of fighting and there's a general lack of violence uh because you know keeping in mind the um uh sort of uh the <laughs> the sequel baiting uh, post credit scene, which uh, hey, that was a thing in a thirty year old movie. Uh, oh boy, that and Mario did it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crazy. And uh, the so that sequel baiting in credit scene basically confirms that 
So Bison is not dead, you know? Mm. Uh, so, um, or I guess he's going to get resuscitated or whatever. But I think that maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering, but that means that literally none of the named characters even die. <laughs> not even the main villain, Bison. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, yeah. We don't see an on-screen death, really. Yeah, indeed, and, and then which is kind of funny because the um, we're introduced to Bison as he's like sort of snapping the necks of hostages, <laughs> but like none of the villains get got. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is that gets still alive. DJ's still alive. Uh, Zangief has changed, has defected to the good guys. Um, I learned that because. There was, I mean, obviously it's a PG-13 movie, which was uh, shot with a PG-13 in mind, and um, a uh, there had been a um, when the when the first cut was sent to the MPA for a rating, uh, there had been a um, a uh, some school shooting in Ohio. And uh, the MPA was very itchy uh, on um, on uh, on violence on, on violence screen. In, yeah, in, indeed. So the original cut received an R rating, uh, which the uh, Souza believes was kind of a, you know an overreaction to like, ooh, want you know we don't want this kind of stuff in kids' entertainment right now. Uh, so, but this was definitely a movie shot for PG-13. So he was kind of, uh, shocked that this did not receive a PG-13, but an R. So he started peeling away and, and cutting to, to secure that PG-13, removing the majority of the blood. And the, <laughs> the way it is now, because I had... At the start of the movie, I thought, okay, so nobody dies. This is a very bloodless or, you know, low-violence movie. I did some research and learning about this, the initial R rating, even though it was shot for a PG-13, the peeling back even more of the violence to secure a PG, um, ended up with a, um, if, if the interview I read is accurate, ended up with a G rating. <laughs> <laughs> and they put in some swearing <laughs> for years of ROTC for this shit <laughs> to artificially get it back to a PG rating <laughs> kind of like um, the original Star Wars uh, originally had a G rating and Lucas asked to make it PG to, to, to slap a PG on it because he was scared that teens would be turned off by an all ages movie um, so this kind of happened with Street Fighter. And in that journey from, you know, a, a PG-13 slapped with an R, get trying to get it down to something um, that's not an R, apparently Vega falls on his own claw at the end of the film. When you When you watch it, you can't quite tell what happens. Originally, that claws the claws lethal strike left a, a bloody wound and and D'Souza had to cut around it and i've seen this movie like dozens of times i i did not get that like i just assumed he was just punched out yeah yeah <laughs> okay so i guess there's a casualty of one vega falls on his own claw sure <laughs> did, did did you get no, not at all. I mean, you pretty. I forgot, you know, even as I was going down, like the bad guys and their fates were like, oh, yeah, what did happen to Vega? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like at the end, uh, like Sagat is like, oh, with DJ on the beach, you know, he's like, oh, the damn bison money. Uh, like that's the, that's the funny fate of DJ and, uh, and Sagat, but but Vega's not there for some reason. Like, oh, he got punched out real bad, I guess. But no, he's fucking dead. <laughs> Speaking of bison bucks, I think we need to finally get to what is probably for many people 
the highlight of this movie, and that's Mr. Raul Julia as M. Bison. Truly, and I say this without, you know, being internet ironic, but I think this is one of the all-time fun villain performances. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Marvel has had two shots at Doctor Doom, and they bungled it up twice already and they'll mm. probably bungle it up three times already mm -hmm. but if i was feige i would literally just point to bison in this movie and and tell whatever puppet hack director does the fantastic <laughs> four hey asshole this is what you want for dr doom oh my god a raul julia dr doom can you imagine ethan <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much how he would talk about Richard. You know, I mean, Latveria, Shadowloo, come on, it's basically the same. <laughs> like, uh, every Doom dollar will be worth 20 of your American. <laughs> yeah. And, if, you know, we should know that, you know, he was, you know, at the time fighting stomach cancer, uh, which unfortunately did end his life too early. And, you know, in the movie, you, you can see, you know, it's not the most parent but like he he does look you know a little thinner than he mm -hmm. previously looks in other movies uh but still even then man the guy is just given all with the eyes the performance he is moving that cape and hat around and such a commanding <laughs> performance it's lovely yeah, man. It, oh absolutely and and like he's just giving it his all man like we we joke about like the the you know, the Nickelodeon ass acting that is going on with some of the heroes, but like Raul Julia is just like just he's a heavyweight and he's just <laughs> giving it his all in this bullshit ass G.I. Mm -hmm. Joe movie. And like, it's a testament to him as an actor that he isn't just being fun in like the big moments, the big, you know, the of course and all the other mm -hmm. things. But like, even when he's doing, he's slowing it down. Like when he has that scene with Chun Li, when yeah. the you know, when the day that M. Bison yeah. invaded your village was the worst day of your life, but for me, it was a Tuesday. Like the <laughs> he, he he so deliciously knows how to deliver that in such a fabulous way. And like even when Chun Li is talking, he's like mixing the drinks. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah. Sure, sure. Like he's he's already anticipating what his reaction is going to be, and mm -hmm. he's like, "I don't, I don't care about this," you know. And yeah, absolutely wonderful. Uh, yeah, I I don't know what else. You know, he he clearly that he's just outclassing everybody. And uh, <laughs> from like things I've read about him, not just on Street Fighter, but in general, he seems to just be a a good guy, just a, a vivacious. A man full of life who gave that same energy into his performances, and you know, it's a it's a sad thing that we were deprived of of more. I, you know, we were bringing up MCU stuff, you know, and I don't quite know how old he would be at this point, but I feel like had he lived longer, he could have been like a fun villain in one of these two thousands comic book movies, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Was he was born in 1940, so he would have been in his 60s uh, for the early OOs. Uh, yeah, gosh, absolutely. Um, like he could have been, he could, he, he might have could have been uh, the the Doctor Doom in the in those first Fantastic Four movies. <laughs> Talk about overclassing every fucking thing. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm I, he's he's also got some of the greatest eyes in cinema history. Like his, uh, he has the perfect eyes. Um, so I don't know. There's something about like his eyes, the hat, the collar that holds his cape. That's like that's just a perfect villain look. Perfect. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and like there's that that um that mania that only barely gets unleashed mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's um yeah it plays it perfectly god and like Looney's like going around his model city of bisonopolis is like ah oh, yes the food court would be here because all all the, the franchises all the franchises <laughs> and like it just again that's how great of an actor he was he wasn't he wasn't just that booming hammy performance in the big moments he knew how to modulate and dial it in but in just such a 
wonderful way it's it's it's, Mm -hmm. you know it's it's ah man again julia uh you can't say enough great things about julia you know yeah seriously and you told me when we did our desperado episode uh, years ago we had a patreon podcast where we did movie commentary tracks and we did one on desperado yes and you told me that he was apparently the first choice to play the villain in uh Mm-hmm. And, uh, Desperado. and um, not that the actor is bad but oh my god <laughs> can you imagine yeah reached in stratosphere with Raul Julia versus Antonio Banderas uh, like passioning it up <laughs> uh, or never even never mind Dr. Doom what if he what if he played Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> Raul's Spider-Man. really a Spider-Man <laughs> oh, man. you don't you don't um he would he would have uh, he would have cowed the landlord asking for rent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and hey, look, I mean, people will be like, he's too old, but it's like you know, uh, he he be him looking old in a high school, he would have fit in with Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst and Joe <laughs> Magnello in that Sam Raimi movie. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Magnello is so funny; he's like seven feet tall. <laughs> yeah, he would. Julia and Magnello would actually like uh, size up each other, actually. <laughs> uh oh my goodness i think we could you know i think uh i think that's a good point to start to wrap it up so let's go ahead and get to most trashy least trashy these are our least favorite most favorite things about the movie so luana let's kick it off with most trashy or least favorite stuff so for you what was the most trashy thing about this movie um, yeah, the I would say the lack of action and the sort of, you know, cut down uh, violence that both uh, were results of uh, really factors outside of the production's control. Um, a lack of action was because of the um, Raul Julia's poor health and the second unit people were promised that they would do all the first unit drama stuff first. So they had time to practice and block and whatnot, but with Rahulia's poor health, they were like, nope, we gotta switch that around. So almost every action thing is, is improvised, poorly rehearsed, um, with very little time to stage it. And then of course, you know, what, what they did manage to, to get in the can was cut down mercilessly. So Unfortunately, the the action is the 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 trashiest aspect of this production for me. What about you, Jared? Yeah, I mean, uh, not to simply piggyback, but I gotta say, reiterate that this lacks fighting, and you come to a Street Fighter movie without without much fighting, then what are we doing here? Like again, I know the Sousa and Capcom had their own ideas and tried to make it. Oh, we're better than. Uh, didn't doing just a martial arts tournament movie but it's like but that's that's the game that's the game and you know to try to like pivot so hard uh and and still not give us some good fighting i don't know about that man i don't know about that um shame (laughs) shame but let's go on to at least trashy our most favorite stuff about this movie so luana what was the least trashy thing about this movie um you know obviously i'm sorry to be such an obvious ollie i don't know if there's such a thing as a negative nancy but for obviousness but obviously it's fucking raul julia man (laughs) he's just giving such a fantastic performance he's you know he's funny as hell He's, he's he's charismatic he carries every scene that he's goddamn in and uh, he did that despite um, being on his last legs. Uh, it's uh, it's fantastic. Um, uh, one of the all-time comic book villain performances. Um, Michael Neostar would indeed. How about you, Travis? I mean, yeah, I have to be. Uh, if you're being an obvious, uh, ob- well, were you? What did you say? An obvious, <laughs> obvious Ollie. <laughs> if you're an obvious Ollie, then I'm a repeating Raph because I have to. <laughs> uh, because I have to say, yeah. I look. If you don't come away you're with cool this, but rude. <laughs> I am cool but rude. I'm gonna throw a pizza at the screen. Uh, <laughs> but not at Raul Julia. Well, I might throw a pizza at 
you if you say that Raul Julia is not the highlight of the movie. Because if you come away thinking that something else is the highlight, then what are you doing? What movie have you been watching, buddy? Because <laughs> he is he's the best. And uh, a testament to like no matter how cheesy and stupid a thing was, he was always incredibly entertaining. Miss him. But uh, let's go ahead and get to our final thoughts, our final question, really the ultimate question of the podcast. So, Luana, give us your final thoughts by answering the question, is Street Fighter a trash movie? In the sense of what it set out to do, um, it is it is a failure um, because, you know, it obviously does not deliver on cool action and is a highly compromised version of you know whatever versions the Sousa had originally however it is so gosh darn watchable and fun and funny to me that i i am going to deem it not trash by pure virtue of uh like yeah no it's it's just it's just incredibly uh, fun and watchable like you said earlier it's it's one of the ultimate just like hangout movies put it on with your friends uh, like talk through most of it kind of like giggle when something funny happens um i think it's i think a movie like that is very valuable indeed for the social fabric of nerd society <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah no this is not i deem it not a trash movie how about you travis I'm going to go a little bit more simpler than you uh, and say that I do think this is a trash movie. Uh, I don't take back what I said about this being a great hangout movie, though. This is, I think, a movie you put on and there's just enough fun ham on screen for you and your buddies to have a good time with. That said, I, I, I was surprisingly a little bit more bored by this because i think of the lack of fighting than i expected the the cheesy parts still entertain me do not get me wrong it is a big old cheese and ham sandwich that you got a lot to get in but i think there's too much bread too much crust maybe if i have to really <laughs> torture this metaphor uh, at least for me it, it, i do wish this wasn't as compromised and try because it is obviously trying to be more than just a martial arts movie but it but I think the attempts of it to not be a generic martial arts movie end up rendering it being a more generic blockbuster in some ways. It, it, it like here's like like I deem the Super Mario Brothers film, you know, the live action one we did earlier. I deem that trash too. But I think I kind of prefer the Mario movie just because that is radically swinging for the fences. And, and, and at least it is committing to the weirdness and whatnot, whereas this one, it, it feels a little too pandering in the ways it's trying to be generic. Um, but I, I, I will not discount that Raul Julia is a lot of fun in it. JCVD is a lot of fun in it. It's pretty short and... Uh, I, and so, you know, I would not dissuade people from watching it, e even if I call it trash. Um, I would say if you are someone who maybe wants to watch a film that is closer to the game that, and is maybe a bit more of quality, I would recommend the 1994 anime movie. Uh, the characters hew more to their video game origins. There's a bit more blood and Chung Lee gets naked at one point. So you may think that's pretty cool if you're into that. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually like that anime movie. It, it's not like the most special anime movie, but it's a fun time if you want to, if you're interested in whatever Street Fighter stuff is out there. Um, but yeah, I do ultimately call this a trash movie, but I still say check it out. It's kind of wild that the anime movie came out the very same year. Like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, they, and also funded by Capcom. But again, I think that was the time when anime still had not really come over to, you know, the United States as prominently. And, you know, this, you know, I think that one was made like, you know, we're making it for the fans. But this movie, we're making it, you know, the live action movie, we're making it for the world, you know, to conquer. 
Um, I have not. I will say this as a button. I have not seen. <laughs> I have not seen the later at adaptation Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li, which is supposedly a very, very actual bad movie. Um, have you? I saw it in those years that I was hitting the bong uh-huh. <laughs> at the dorm. I remember fuck all of it. So yeah, uh, supposedly that is very a, funny. Yeah, I mean that maybe future episode. I don't know, but supposedly that is like a actual bad movie. Um, but who knows? We'll see. Again, I call it trash, but I still don't dissuade you from watching it because it's a it's an interesting damn thing, memorable damn thing. Uh, but that'll do it for our episode on Street Fighter, which means we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode with a brand new movie and Luana. Mm-hmm. You know, last season, we took a first crack at the Ghostbusters franchise with Ghostbusters 2. So I think it's time to head back to the firehouse, as they say. And, you know, we get to go back into Ghostbusters with us, with some of our favorite characters. Oh, uh, are, are you excited for your favorite char- returning characters? Uh, yeah, of course. Like a Slimer. Yes, Slimer's in there. Oh, and of <laughs> course, you know, those Ghostbusters always trying to bust them. And of course, you, you remember those Ghostbusters. Of course, there's always Abby Yates. You know, Abby Yates, the leader of the Ghostbusters. And of course, there's Aaron Gilbert, you know, the, the kind of the nerdier one. And of course, the, the super nerdiest of the group, Jillian Holtzman. I know the podcast audiences was saying it with me. Jillian Holtzman, of course. You just got Holtzman. Yeah, exactly. And of course, Patty Tolan rounding out the group. Oh, my goodness. Your favorite Ghostbusters back again, you know. I can't wait. We are about to answer that call. Yeah, and that means we're doing Ghostbusters. Answer the call, the 2016 reboot of the franchise. The the movie that, uh, you know, I was talking about favorite characters and the favorite franchise. That means that when, if I recall, when this movie came out, that um, pretty much everyone on the internet was like, okay with this movie, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, just a generally well liked movie that caused no stir or controversy whatsoever. Um, Everyone was very chill about it. Yeah, yeah, it was up there with uh, Last Jedi and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Captain Marvel. Exactly. Yeah, and people are still chill about it to this day. I'm, for sure, for sure. Yeah, say that's what you can say about the internet these days. It was bad. It used to be bad, but now it's so chill. Uh, but anyway, that will be in two weeks. Our new episode. Uh, in the meanwhile, you can follow the show on Twitter at TrashMoviePod. Email the show at TrashMoviePod at gmail.com. And if you're feeling especially nice and generous, you can rate the show five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. In two weeks will be our brand new episode on Ghostbusters Answer the Call. But until then, the defense rests. See ya. See ya.